ordinarily, we would be uh, sitting down for an hour-long chat with the mayor on the first Thursday of the month. My schedule's a little haphazard this week, which is my problem. It's not the mayor's problem, but nevertheless, he was gracious enough to juggle his schedule to accommodate my schedule. And Mayor Jim Langfelder, I do appreciate it. Welcome to the program here on this Wednesday afternoon. Well, thank you. Thank you for making the arrangement. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad you were able to do it, and we want to get right into it here. Uh, Mayor, this is not nearly the most important thing I want to ask you about today, but since we were just talking about it, I, I want to go back to this clip last night of Alderman Chuck Redpath at the beginning of the meeting. He is demanding that you take action with a situation that was unfolding in the council chambers. Uh, I'm going to play this clip again, and then I want to get your, uh, your reaction to uh, what happened last night. Mayor. Uh-oh, you don't want to get into this. Yeah, I do want to get into it. No. <laughs> I'm going to defer to Corporation Council. Look, I've told him not to come up here, and he's walking up here. I want him removed unless he goes to the back of the room, Mayor. Mayor? What day is this? It's Tuesday. It's time for you to take charge. <laughs> you guys are missing all the fun. Are you going to say something about this? No. No, I'm not. You're going to let him walk around the room? He has his mask on. He'll keep his distance. But I don't have my mask on. I don't want to put it on because I'm 20 feet away from him. Okay. Clerk, could you please call the roll? I, I'm not going to forget this, Mayor. This is really important. This, I'm really angry with you about this. Okay. Uh, Mayor Alderman Redpath was really angry with you uh, about that last night. What, what was going on? You uh, had no interest at all in being in the middle of that. What was happening? Well, I was uh, walking in the council, and, uh, you know, voices were already escalating between uh, Alderman Repath and uh, a reporter and uh, tried to get me in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, I wasn't about to have it. I was more um, important trying to get the meeting started. And so I'll let them, you know, sort out their differences, but it all surrounded about uh, wearing of a uh, mask. Well, and we do have a, a pretty comprehensive mask mandate now in the city of Springfield that you had put forward, and, and uh, by everything we can tell, it's probably the most comprehensive of its kind in the in the state. Uh, it includes requirement to wear masks in places where the public can come in, such as the city council chambers, but Alderman Redpath was not wearing his mask last night. C- can you give us an update on that? Because there was some discussion that he could be facing a citation unless he can demonstrate that he's got a valid medical reason for not doing so. What what's the latest? Was he in violation? Well, uh, that's something they're sorting through. One, you're right. He's uh, checking. You know, he came up and said, you know, I have a health issue and um, you know have difficulty wearing the mask, and so uh, that's you know something that would be considered, of course. Uh, but the other part of it is, you know, uh, with regards to being a social distance way, um, and whether that's a public space or not, and I did have conversations with Corporation Council and. You know, city council chambers is a public space, so um, it really comes down to uh, better clarification with regards to that. But the bottom line is um, with regards to health status and, uh, again, um, being able to make sure everybody's safe in that situation. You've basically put much uh, of City Hall on kind of a restricted status and encouraged the public not to go there to conduct business online or by phone whenever possible. Should that apply to the City Council meetings? Uh, Most of the aldermen participate by Zoom, but you uh, tend to still go to the Council Chambers. Alderman Redpath does. Alderman McMenamin does. Shouldn't everybody be participating by Zoom at this point until we get through the the, the current situation? Well, we do uh, have that 
capability of doing it virtually, which um, you know some uh, city council members choose to do so, and others uh, choose not to. And I think it's important to show that we are working through this pandemic, um, you know, and showing that confidence to do so. No knock against anybody that shows up or not show up. The reason we're limiting access with regards to the municipal center is, uh, you know, the concern of with regards to potential spike from post-Thanksgiving Day gatherings, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, you kind of minimize that as much as possible, even though we don't have many people uh, walking through the halls of the city, the city uh, complex. Uh, we thought we'd put that in place uh, to make sure every feels comfortable and um, doing what we can from that aspect. But with regards to the city council meetings themselves, I think it's, uh, one, somebody has to be there to run the meeting, so I'll always be there uh, whenever possible. And then I think... Uh, to the aldermen specifically are have been there you know, on a regular basis. That's Alderman Redpath and Alderman McMinimum, and I think that's part of the reason they'd like to be there. Is uh, one, you know, from um, you know the interaction, they I think they uh, feel they get more out of it doing it that way than uh, behind the screen at home. But I think each person's different in how they want to attend or participate in that part of the process. Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder is uh, is here with us. Uh, Mayor, because this uh, you know all came about, at least part of it did, because we had this mask mandate in place, we know the city has issued a, a handful of citations to individuals who've not been following that. Are you satisfied with the enforcement level on that so far? Do you feel like that mandate, that ordinance is a Accomplishing what you wanted it to do? Well, what I've seen uh, when I've been out, uh, more people are wearing the mask, so I think it's been uh, it's uh, been effective in that regards. Um, and as we started rolling this out, is more from an educational standpoint. Are there times where, uh, and it, again, it's the officer's discretion. Are there times that uh, more could be issued? Um, uh, you know, uh, I think at this point there's not a lot of occasion, but. When there have been, uh, it depends on the officer's situation. I think it's the individual that they come across. If they're just flat out going to not comply, I think uh, they would be more likely being cited. But again, it's not to you know give out citations. It's more to get people to comply as much as possible. So I'm not going to second guess the police officers as far as that goes. But I've heard uh, just recently that uh, you know um, individuals have said, well, there's some places open, so. I mean, we haven't had proof of that. You know, they've done over 300 checks in the past week, and uh, there's uh, less than a handful that uh, weren't compliant. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that, and we do have a complaint process as well. If people uh, think uh, entities are in violations, especially those that shouldn't be open that are, then uh, the police will follow up on that. It was a little ironic last night with Alderman Redpath uh, getting so exercised over a masked reporter 20 feet from him. And then he turned around a short time later and asked you to let patrons back inside restaurants where they would conceivably be closer to other patrons. And nobody would be wearing a mask among customers if they're eating and drinking there. Uh, are you giving any consideration at all to the Alderman's request to allow restaurants to reopen at 25 percent capacity? Uh, not at this time. I agreed with the uh, governor's uh, assertion that, you know, we need to take a look at what post-Thanksgiving brings. Uh, the real concern right now is the hospitalizations and the stress it's putting on uh, through our ICU beds and uh, moving in that direction. So that's a number that we're very concerned about. And hopefully uh, we are seeing a trend downwards. I think uh, that does have something to do with our mask mandate. And hopefully uh, I think a lot of people are complying, which we appreciate. And hopefully that continues. I think uh, a lot of people did 
uh, consider what was being said about the gatherings of Thanksgiving, but we'll see those numbers in the next week or two. And then at that point in time, I'm sure the governor is going to take a look at it as well as others and make a determination of what the best approach is at that point. We have seen the the average caseload in Sangamon County drop pretty significantly over the last month. It was about 250 cases a day on average at the first part of the month, down to about 150 cases now. Uh, We know part of that is because we got through after Halloween and maybe people who got exposed to Halloween parties, you know, those are, you know, uh, we're going to see all the cases we're going to see from that. Uh, But do you think uh, closing down indoor service has uh, been a, a part of that as well? and bringing those numbers down? Uh, that's really hard to, uh, I, I'm not sure if it has and to what degree. I, you know, I've been in, I've, I felt comfortable going to restaurants and for lunch. Uh, and, uh, you know, the ones that are in compliance, they're really um, doing so the right way. Uh, but what really has to happen is uh, people were tending to let, let their guard down. I think that's what's happened is people that, um, you know, they feel they're going out with a friend, um, and or a family member for that instance, and if you're not around each other or, or, you know, people aren't kind of staying away from others, you just don't know who has the virus and who doesn't. That's the strange thing about this. So I think uh, the uh, there's no uh, proof, per se, of the I, – I have that. I don't have any evidence, uh, but it probably helped uh, limit it to spread to a certain degree because what's happened is the reason it was pinpointed to restaurants and bars, and this isn't just in this area, this is throughout the country – um, you know, throughout the world, is the uh, area besides work and home, the most visited spot for individuals is to go out and eat. And so that's not a surprise, shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And that's one of the ways you uh, try to mitigate things is try to stop those commonly gathered out spaces. And that was one of them. We're going to talk some more about uh, the the pandemic restrictions, how they're being enforced, some of what was said at the council meeting last night, and the county's response to that when we come back here in just a moment. Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder with us in our monthly Talk to the Mayor segment here. Mayor, a lot of discussion last night about enforcement of the various restrictions related particularly to bars and restaurants. You've had a lot to say about this. You've also had a lot to say about the fact that while Sangamon County has imposed these pretty strict limits, Menard County is isn't really enforcing any of these rules at all. I know that isn't sitting well with you either. So let me just uh, ask you in, in general, are, are you unhappy with the county health department at this point? And what do you want them to do that they could reasonably do that they are not, in fact, right now doing? Well, the uh, frustrating part was when uh, there's a news conference and part of that, how it was interpreted or how it was stated is that Springfield was the cause of the spread in Menard County. And, um, you know, they were using the carrot approach, which, uh, you know, was also not received well, because the bottom line is, um, you know, we have the same Sangamon County Public Health that uh, takes care of our both areas. Uh, We have the same hospitals that we share with St. John's and Memorial Health Services. And we're in the same region, so I'm just a firm believer that we should have the same enforcement actions, especially when it comes to bars and restaurants. Uh, yet the the county says, and they says they say they've told you this multiple times. They don't make the rules for Menard County. They do administer uh, public health services there, but they don't set the policy. They don't uh, you know do the enforcement there. Uh, do you feel like there are things they could be doing that they just simply refuse to do there, even though they're doing them here? I think there's a way to do it. You know, we're in this public health pandemic, and um, you know, if it's uh, if you know if it's deemed necessary through scientific measures that restaurants are indeed the cause of spread, then uh, especially if you're in the same region and have the same impact on our 
hospitals, uh, regardless how many people end up there, I think it's important that we follow those same actions. And so um, that's why I'm a firm believer uh, with regards to that. And um, that doesn't set well in, in order. You know, of course, they can't do the enforcement. They, you know, the sheriff department of Menard County is the enforcement action entity. But the one that could help in this situation, since public health of Sangamon County has the same, um, you know, coverage in Springfield and Sangamon County, as well as Menard County, um, they could ask the Illinois State Police to um, make sure that they're in compliance with the governor's orders, which uh, uh, can be upheld in that fashion. Have you uh, picked up the phone and talked to your counterpart in Petersburg, the mayor there, or talked to the Menard County Board Chairman to say, hey, guys, help us out here. Uh, we, we need to have uh, consistent enforcement across the board in both counties. And, and ha- have you done that, or have you contemplated doing it? Uh, uh, no. Uh, what's happened is uh, through Brad Cole, the Illinois Municipal League, I know they've sent out our uh, mask ordinance, the measures that we have taken. So in answer to anybody's question, if they want to move that direction, these small towns, I understand the, um, you know, that they want their restaurants just like we want our restaurants open. But, uh, you know, um, what should be happening is everybody should, if even especially those, they should be having a mask mandate. Where everybody uh, should be, if they're walking around, they should be wearing a mask because we know the scientific proof, the only way to mitigate the spread right now until a vaccine is um, developed is by wearing a mask. So they should be doing that 100%. And if they did that, I think you would see a drastic decrease uh, throughout the state of Illinois and moving in that direction, taking the stress off our hospital systems, which uh, really needs to happen. You'd like to see more enforcement in Menard County. Do you feel like the county health department is cracking down too hard in Sangamon County and in the city of Springfield? I think uh, with regards to the situation we're in, um, when let's... Uh, start when, uh, you know, when the governor had rolled out, I think it was mitigation number two. I think that's when we hit uh, where they had the conference call telling us that we're going to, Region 3 is going to uh, have to close down from 50% to 0% capacity for restaurants and bars. And then they pointed out that Quincy uh, was an area that had hot spots and uh, another area. And so, um, you know, you fast forward to today, or even before that, that's when I decided to say we're going down to 25% because originally that's how it was supposed to be mitigated, 50%, 25%. If you didn't see any uh, decrease, then you go to zero. So it gives the um, the restaurants a chance. And, uh, you know, I, I said separate out the restaurants, but, uh, you know, I was told that couldn't happen, um, you know, because the state, uh, the way it's calculated, they can't separate it out. And so, uh, you know, Sangamon County Public Health was in agreement with that. And then probably less than a week, they said, oh, we're going to have to close because the uh, positivity rate's going to be up 12%. And so uh, with that, uh, we made that tough decision, and uh, that was very tough. But, um, you know, I just uh, think that with regards to that, we should all be doing what we can to uh, mitigate the spread, and especially the hospitalizations in Region 3, because the actions taken in different areas do impact us here in Springfield significantly, um, just for the standpoint of our hospitalizations. Well, and it makes perfect sense that we should uh, have all areas of the state on the same page. Obviously, that isn't happening, but I, I guess my, my question is still, even if some places aren't enforcing it, are we enforcing it too harshly here in Sangamon County? Do you feel like the health department's cracking down too hard on local establishments? 
I think what happened, uh, what we've heard, you know, this is from motorheads and other areas. I'll use motorheads as an example. I know they, um, I'd give, you know, the county credit. They did go back out there and they, um, you know, they corrected their original action. And rescinded um, that citation put, today, yeah. Correct. And so uh, here's an entity that did the right thing. They did, I think, is well over $10,000 in uh, improvements to create a window system to allow ventilation of air flowing through the areas that were allowed open. And there's other restaurants that had a similar type system allowed to operate, but here motorheads get cited. So I think that's what the frustration's been, where uh, people feel that they're um, doing an overreach. And, um, you know, I've had this discussion with our own police department. Uh, we have entities that feel that they're being picked on because they're visited three times. I talked to the chief. I said what should happen is uh, you should visit all the area, I mean, all the uh, businesses. And then once you do that, you just, you know, go on a rotational basis. Um, otherwise, you have that happening where people feel that they're being being singled out or there's not consistency with regards to enforcement. We continue on with our monthly conversation with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder a day earlier than usual on Wednesday rather than Thursday this month uh, to accommodate my schedule of people this week. So uh, let's continue on. Mayor, uh, the last time we uh, talked in this segment about a month ago, uh, you were just gearing up uh, for uh, distributing some small business relief funds that had come uh, to the city through the uh, federal government. Uh, and that program's now underway. What kind of response are you getting so far to that? Uh, and uh, are, are businesses, in fact, reaching out for that assistance? Yeah, there's a, it closed Monday, and the applicants, I think there's uh, approximately 180 received. Uh, which is pretty significant, and um, those will be reviewed by our Illinois, or I'm sorry, the Economic Community Development Commission um, to some degree, and then uh, we do have a scoring system based on the information provided so we can uh, be as objective as possible. Honestly, 180 businesses is fewer than I would have expected uh, seeking uh, some help there. Was that what you were anticipating, or more or less? or? Uh, that's, I thought about 200 or so. The challenge is uh, with if you're applying for business interruption grants, dollars through DCEO, uh, those are a higher uh, ability to get those funds. Ours is $5,000 grant, and we're seeing that with our uh, landlord mitigation or the renter's assistance program through the Urban League. Same situation. You can't uh, co-mingle the two funds. Uh, they have to be, uh, you can get one, but not both. And so that's the challenge there. But at $5,000 $5, level, um, it's more for small small businesses, it seems like, that would be uh, going or vying for those type of dollars. So I'm not really overly surprised by that. Uh, meanwhile, right now there's $600,000. Uh, there's $400,000 from DCEO and then 200000 that we received through the CARES Act. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we had had for a while a moratorium on TWLP disconnections. That was lifted a, a couple of months back, uh, and word's been going out to customers that unless you make some arrangements on your uh, unpaid bills, you could be facing disconnections. Of course, we're getting into some really cold weather now. So have there been a lot of disconnections through CWLP? Uh, are people reaching out to make some arrangements so they can keep the lights on? Yeah, we've uh, seen an uptick. I think it was about $800,000 in uh, assistance this year, uh, which is significantly higher than previously. As far as disconnections, I don't think there's as many um, happening that could, without a doubt. But uh, as we go into colder months, that's when we do not do disconnections. So 
we're trying to get everybody, um, you know, the assistance they can apply for. That's the most important factor because uh, it's important for people to get in contact with us uh, so we can connect them to the financial resources they may be eligible for because uh, the bottom line is you're going to be responsible for those dollars one way or the other. So you should try to get assistance as much as possible. So is there an, an effective moratorium back in place now that says no disconnections during these winter months? Uh, that will be – I'll have to get with um, Doug Brown. Typically, we do not do that in the cold month, winter months. Uh, just from that aspect, you don't want to, to cut off heat uh, for someone. So um, whether it's deemed a moratorium, uh, that's something we'd have to – I'll have to follow up with him on that. Well, wh- whatever you call it, but for all practical purposes, right. though. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we that... typically do not do disconnections in December and January. Okay, so that is, that's pretty much in effect as of right now? Well, <laughs> yes, that's, uh, that would be the case uh, as far as disconnections go. Uh, they should reach out and make arrangements, though, like I said, because, uh, you know, you don't want the, your bill to pile up where at the end, come January or sometime where it warms up, that, uh, you know, you won't be able to make that payment or that arrangement where you would have to be disconnected. But that would only be in place at least for uh, for a couple of months. So, again, anybody who uh, hasn't made those arrangements could be facing disconnections uh, sometime early in the new year. Right. And that, that's a bill that never goes away. So I really encourage everybody that uh, has fallen behind, they should contact Capital Township. They do have funds available, Sangamon County Community Resources, as well as the state of Illinois. And then we have our own light heat program, so there's plenty of resources to try to tap into. And then the city council took action uh, last night to uh, for the utility relief for residents. Uh, we added $300,000 to that particular pool of funds, so it would be important to reach out if you're behind the bills and try to get assistance to uh, cover that cost. Speaking of bills that never go away, the city has plenty of those as well, and you uh, are in the budget process now for the fiscal year that begins on March 1st. How far along are you? Uh, when will you be presenting uh, the proposed budget to Alderman, and, and how is it looking so far? Well, probably the beginning of January. Um, right now, what will be interesting is the uh, revenues that come in at the tail end. Uh, so we really uh, appreciate everybody's support of Small Business Saturdays, uh, visiting small retailers and supporting it, uh, those individuals, because that does help our uh, retail sales tax, uh, because that is concerning with the closing of restaurants and bars. What impact does that have uh, as we move forward? And so uh, that will really give us a true picture, but that won't happen until probably uh, we'll see those numbers in January and February. But right now, uh, we are in uh, better shape than what we first thought, uh, because we did qualify for uh, CARES Act funds reimbursement for our first responders, and we did secure the $4.8 million, so that has helped. Uh, We have tightened our belts to the tune of a projected $3 million, so we're in pretty good shape. But I always felt that next year will be the telltale sign because uh, what's the revenue resources look like for this year? How do they end up? And then going into next year, we do have a pension cost that increased. Um, and then, you know, the lack of conventions, things of that nature, trying to get back to a more of a normalcy, uh, that will have a lagging impact with regards to our revenue sources. So we will see some continued belt tightening uh, with regards to how we're going to get it to the alderman. City Council members, those discussions typically will have happen at the 1st of January. 
Um, another big uh, announcement this week. You selected Brandon Blau to be the next Springfield Fire Chief. We look for a confirmation vote later in December. How did you settle upon him to replace Chief Alan Riney? Well, uh, we've been. I, I didn't realize that this is my third uh, fire chief. Um, you know, in the period of time, uh, I had done interview processes each time, and so. Uh, that helped in this case because, uh, you know, being the short window when Chief Riney was going to leave, I did a, do an interview process. Uh, there's three individuals specifically that were interviewed, um, and I had uh, interviewed two of them previously. One, of course, was uh, Deputy Division Chief of Operations Brandon Blau. And then um, uh, so from that aspect, uh, that helped in the process. I think the situation that we're in with the pandemic um, and then uh, coming up with a potentially difficult budget uh, uh, year, I think that uh, kind of determined who was going to apply and who didn't. You really needed someone that really wanted the job in a challenging, difficult situation, and uh, Brandon Blauen um, really stepped up to uh, plead his case and make his case, and that's the reason I selected him because, uh, you know, he built upon, I think that's, the whole part is how do you build upon what Chief Riney's done, take us to the post-pandemic era of uh, fire protection and EMS protection, and he brought that inside, and he was instrumental with the preemption uh, traffic system that uh, we put in place to increase and improve our response time. So um, I have my confidence in him and moving in that direction uh, through these challenging times and trying to get through the pandemic and move forward post-pandemic. You know, we talked to Chief Blau earlier this week. He said one of the things he'd like to look at at some point is placement of firehouses and making sure they're really in an optimal location. He's a little bit concerned about with all the growth uh, in the northeast corner of Springfield over the last couple of decades that maybe our uh, access to uh, fire response hasn't kept pace there. A couple other parts of town that he wants to make those same uh, judgments. Uh, is that something that could be on the radar, or is that going to have to be on hold for a while until all the dust settles from the, the pandemic and the fiscal impact of it? Well, uh, without a doubt, it is on the radar, especially we had a firehouse over there by Isles Park. The rail project with the underpass on Ash has uh, rendered that kind of uh, landlocked and so um, limited its response. So we will be moving that station. Uh, we'll at least have that in the budget for next year. But there's a couple other areas that uh, I'll just mention. One, the Starbucks one, that's uh, where Starbucks is right there on Chatham Road. That's one that's really congested. If you could move that out a little bit further, I think uh, you could get better response time. The main thing uh, is how do you pay for all that? And I think uh, having a plan in place will really help, especially with the new president coming in. There might be an opportunity, uh, especially post-pandemic, for the ability to have infrastructure improvements that would help response times or dealing with the, uh, um, you know, disastrous situations that we're dealing with. And um, relocating stations would put us in a better position to do that. So, um, with the Starbucks, you know, especially there, there could be an interest with them, you know, in their footprint. Uh, so that's what we've. Uh, actually, Brandon Blau had an initial reach out to them to see if there's interest in uh, that footprint, possibly, and then give us some financial resources to move. But that's always been the case as, um, you know, as far as uh, where do you get the financial resources and where would you relocate? And I think the relocation makes sense because you can prove that out with the calls and calls of service and moving that direction. But how do you pay for it? That's the big question. All right, just a few minutes left in our monthly conversation with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. 
Mayor, give us an update on the winter warming shelter, if you would. The city acquired the property and uh, about mid-November was able to uh, turn it over to the Salvation Army. I know they've had a couple of issues there, and Alderman Gregory was talking last night at the meeting about maybe some issues with the heat and things. Uh, how's everything running there? Um, I think as well as can be expected. I did talk to Captain Jeff Eddy. Uh, we appreciate Salvation Army taking on this challenge. And actually, it's a emergency low-barrier shelter. And uh, so I believe the average attendance has been around 60 individuals. But uh, what we need to take advantage of with the continuum of care uh, and the support of uh, those is assessing who's there, what their situation is, so we can move them into a better supportive housing situation come the spring. Uh, another thing that's uh, happened apparently just in the last day or two and a little earlier than expected, it looks like something of a soft opening at the Portillo's location on the west side of Springfield. I know you've been excited about this, and a lot of people have been uh, eagerly awaiting it, and I guess they've had some just unbelievable lines out there today, which does raise a question. We're here at the, the holiday season. That Parkway Point area is usually pretty congested anyway, and if people are, are cramming in there to get their hands on some Portillo's, are we going to be able to, to cope with that? Is the city looking at any uh, improvements to that area to help traffic flow? Well, I know they actually they have a larger parking lot than I uh, realized because they did acquire the entire parcel. Uh, the other thing is the traffic flow as far as in and out, but it is still a uh, kind of a congested area just the way it's designed. And, you know, that's on a long-term path uh, with redeveloping that whole intersection, but that's going to take millions and millions of dollars to do that. But in the uh, meantime, I think uh, with residents, they, they'll work their way through it. I think, you know, there's a couple other ways, you know, if you come around uh, the back way or, you know, different ways, I think that's, uh, I think people figure it out to mitigate it as far as the traffic congestion as much as possible. But that's a good thing to have when you're, you know, in the holidays is uh, you like to see some congestion. So that means people are shopping or enjoying themselves, especially this time of year, just do so safely and mask up when you're in the presence of others. Speaking of traffic flow and millions of dollars, will there be money in the new budget for some of the uh, downtown improvements we've been talking about for a long time, traffic signals and traffic uh, changes to the one-way streets and so on? Yeah, we're proceeding uh, with that type of activity because the um, the lighting infrastructure is just uh, worn out, and so something has to be done, and uh, there'll be something forthcoming uh, with regards to that. Uh, they're wrapping up that parcel of uh, the next step uh, or next phase to get uh, that implemented. Uh, something we heard about a couple of months back and haven't heard much since then, the people that were talking about developing uh, the big sports complex uh, here in town. Has anything more ever come of that? Well, yeah, there's been a continued discussion um, with Steve Luker and the Legacy Point Development Group um, and moving that. That's been a long sought after project. And actually, uh, that area with Shields, I think Shields is the key component to that. You get them to sign on to that particular project, and that brings validity to it and interest in uh, moving that direction. So that's a top priority, especially when you're coming out of the pandemic, is any type of economic development. Um, and that could be a real boon for Springfield and the surrounding areas. Mayor, only about a minute left, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask a question that's way too early to ask, but, you know, what the heck, it's been a, a wild year, and I know you've uh, had it coming at you from all sides. Uh, we're almost through 2020 into 2021. Before you know it, it's going to be 2023. Have you given any thought to whether you're going to seek a third term as mayor? Uh, well, I tell you day by day, and especially in today's uh, year, and uh, the reason for that is you try to stay focused on getting the work done. I know early on I made a comment about it, and then it seemed like 
uh, you know, you're getting attacked from all ends, and uh, really the focus should be on uh, getting the people's work done as much as possible, and then uh, whatever's decided takes care of itself. So that's what the focus has been, especially during this crazy year that we're in, is making sure we all make it through together and uh, move forward. And there's a lot of uh, promising uh, highlights, as you mentioned on this call, and so we look forward to what 20. We're looking forward to 2020 ending and what 2021 brings. Mayor, we're out of time. Always appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jim. Have a great day.